0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Before we begin the podcast, I wanted to put a little disclaimer in here that we recorded this episode on Wednesday, August 24th. It was supposed to come out Thursday evening, August 25th, but I had an emergency to handle with throughout most of the afternoon and evening and was not able to edit the podcast. So I just want you guys to know what you're hearing was recorded on Wednesday, August 24th. So this was before the story broke about Matt Ariza. So just keep that in mind while you're listening. As the facts come out, we'll have more next week when we record on Thursday night. On to the show. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey
2: to fight me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock pile Report.
1: With Buffalo Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes
2: to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk
1: producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bill's podcast. I'm an adult.
2: I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rockpile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and we are talking week two winners and losers across the NFL, and obviously with our Buffalo Bills. Chris, I feel like this podcast has gotten us back in. Like, this is our training camp. We are the Pettiest Bills podcast, and I feel like for a while there we got taken out of it. You know, I hear your comments and your tweets, people calling me Andrew.
1: (laughs) Fucking Nate Geary. Oh, I sent you that review I saw on Reddit today. Can you read that for our listeners? Oh, yeah. Every now and again, I will. (laughs) I don't look at reviews, folks.
2: If you're leaving us negative reviews... Well, positive it's, it's not. Re- I appreciate the positive ones. I also appreciate the negative ones because eventually Chris finds them and brings them to me, and I laugh at them.
1: They're not reviews. It's I'll other people's synopsis of what we do. Beca- yeah, because if you go into the Buffalo Bills Reddit, you'll, and you ju- I just type in podcast because I want to see who's referring who amongst the crowd because ev- what seems to be like every three months you're going to find a post on Reddit that's like. Give me some Bills podcasts to listen to, like I'm a new fan. Or uh, do these let, people
2: not have Google?
1: I don't know. Well, I I did see do you one.
2: Do not just understand how the internet works.
1: I, you can you literally have a device
2: at your disposal that you can just ask for things and it brings them to you.
1: I did see a post from somebody that was a Browns fan and jumped ship. And by jump ship, I mean used the lake because he was a Browns fan, and the whole Watson thing brought him over to Buffalo. He's like, I can't do this. So every now and again, you read a couple of posts on Reddit for...
2: Didn't someone comment on that and say the Rockpile report would make you wish you were a Browns fan again?
1: Well, I, you know what? <laughs> I saw... I remember you sent me that one. There was one... There was like the... Not the one that I that I sent you, but there's another one I saw on a different post, and somebody somebody was mad that you were trashing garbage plates <laughs> and was like, oh, I'll hold out see, so I can hear what their football opinions are. But we got this, uh, I guess is a review or a description of what our podcast is because somebody wants to know like what your favorite Bill's pod is. And this is from the villainous fondler. <laughs> on, are we
2: sure Deshaun Watson didn't write this?
1: I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> He's a fan. The villainous fondler on Reddit The Rock Pile Report, the drunkest and pettiest Bill's podcast, hosted by a douchebag who got beat up outside of a Denny's and has a history of destroying wicker furniture. They don't pretend to be anything they're not. They have a tendency to talk about what nobody else is talking about and do it in an entertaining way. That usually winds up being more nuanced than you thought at the beginning of it. Produced by a douchebag with a mohawk that roller skates shirtless down at the park. (laughs) Well, I mean, the mohawk is gone.
2: First of all,
1: well said, sir. You nailed it. I've been mowing the lawn shirtless all summer. I haven't had a chance (laughs) to go down to the outer harbor.
2: Oh, my God. That dad bod's getting some sun. You do have a good tan. You do have a tan, sir. Boom! I, I love how you're
1: flexing me, and I can't tell. Like
2: I can't see a
1: back. Well, I'm flexing it. We've got the cameras on, so I'm flexing right. at the cameras. Here's what I love.
2: This, like, Chris, I grew up, and it caused problems for me as a child. I grew up with my grandfather and my uncle Paul watching the Friars Club roasts, like. Five, six, seven years old, watching Don Rickles. Don Rickles was my favorite because he was just the meanest son of a bitch on earth. It's not. That's not appropriate for,
1: <laughs> for children your yeah.
2: age. Imagine what happens when you go to kindergarten class or first grade and you start r- just like, "Hey, I heard this and it got adults thought it was funny," and you start recapping Don Rickles in the middle of first grade class. Yeah, there's phone calls home. But that underscores who I am and why my sense of humor is what it is. Why I have such thick skin. Nothing makes me happier than a good roast. If you can get me, I love it. I'm a laughable human being. I find it hilarious that you
1: people even show up every week. <laughs> I mean, I'm the same the same way. Like, <laughs> like I at work, I have a nickname of well, it started out as Lockjaw.
2: Oh boy, yeah. You just
1: don't talk. Well, no, lockjaw because I had some, I had have, yeah, cause you have oral infection. I had some oral, I had have Dude, oral surgery. That's
2: old school. Yeah. Where they're like, hey, here's this thing that you can't help, and, and it makes you look like a freak. Yeah,
1: and it's it's transitioned into people just call me podcast. <sighs> so like, <laughs> there was a day where I was doing the over my overnight shift, and it was we were transitioning into the day shift, and one of the guys. You know, I was standing out the time clock. I had just spoken to him in the break room and I'm standing out by the time clock. And he came out and was like, hey, I just want to make sure that you're not offended that I call you podcast. And I said, I've been here at where I work for six months. I want you to spend the rest of the time that we work together. I want you to try to offend me. <laughs> just try it. <laughs> just, I, just, just put a
2: little effort. And see what put, happens. Yeah,
1: yeah. See if I get offended. Buddy, I'm dead inside. Yeah. I have nothing to exactly, yeah. you Exactly. Spen- As I said, spend the rest of your career here Ugh. and try and offend me.
2: So, what I love is that every now and again, Chris goes out there and reads these reviews. Now, d- if, some of you who listen to this podcast might note, well, they're not. Re- we don't do the. I don't know. I've listened to a lot of other podcasts, and I'm not going to bash any of our corollaries across the Bill's podcast landscape that might go out there and re- rate and review. It helps other people find us. It grows our brain. I don't give a fuck. People will find us, and they will like us, or they will hate us. We've had a this, lot of people have hated us.
1: We've had that <laughs> conversation a lot off air with uh, Bruce Nolan. Yeah. Who, I it's don't like, have to
2: market myself to you. I'm just going to do what I want, and yeah. if you like it, you'll stick around.
1: He is... He is one of the biggest advocates of the terms that we are not for everyone. Yeah. No. But there is also a place for this style within the community.
2: Petty. Petty. And we do it better than anyone else, which is why the format of tonight's show, winners and losers. I mean, chef kiss. It's made for us. It's made for what we do. Chris, I literally just opened up Pro Football Talk and got three new talking points. Boom, 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 boom. Because no one can make fun of things, I ain't quite the way we can, especially after I've got about, what, one, two, three, four, five, six beers in me. So let's start this off, as we always do, winners and losers. We started an NFL level, and the first thing I see is the question by Pro Football Talk, is Jalen Ramsey back to full speed after shoulder surgery? Quote, unquote, not yet. Guess what, pal? It's getting real late in the day for you not to be ready to be full speed. Because do you remember the last time he was full speed? Stefan Diggs cooked his ass in the back of the end zone. Do you do you remember the photo? It might have
1: been one of the more successful tweets we ever had. It was just that picture. So I do I, remember you drinking a Seagram's. For that game. I saw. Because we came back against Oh, because I did a heat check. Yeah.
2: I was like, guys, heat check in the room. We're watching it with like 40 people. And I go, raise a hand if you think the Bills can come back and win. And everybody raised their hand. And I was like, I don't think so. I'll bet a Seagram's they don't.
1: Yeah, we were at Doug's for that game. Yep. what What is that called, that Doug's? Doug's watch area where you where you make the garage. Oh, uh, they
2: call it the Polish patio. Yeah. When you basically fence in your garage, like mosquito net in your garage and make it an extra living room. Yeah. The Polish patio. So we're out there. I do that. But I distinctly remember that he talked a lot of shit in the run up to that game and Diggs just left him standing dejectedly. Staring at his toes with no one around him for 50 feet. Just staring at his feet in the back of the end zone. And I remember tweeting out, I was like, Jalen Ramsey got burned so bad he's still out there. Like, he's still out there looking for Stephon Diggs. The fact that he's not full go ahead of week one, now. Their quarterback just basically got back to practicing with the team. If you're a Rams fan, do you have any panic?
1: I don't know. I would have a We're talking
2: all losers tonight, NFL-wide. That's it. That's all we have is losers. Nobody wins. I mean, well, I I win. You won. We're going to talk about that in a second. We're starting yeah. with the losers. But
1: the, the Stafford injury would concern me. That tendonitis in the elbow.
2: Now your best cornerback is like, well, I'm not quite ready yet. Well, guess what, asshole? 14 days. 15? Yeah. <laughs> 15 days. That's, I that, hope
1: you're That's ready. definitely going to be something... I'll be watching if I'm going to put some cheddar on the game.
2: This is his quote. He goes, I'm just being careful right now. I still haven't been doing a lot of the techniques. Just try to play a little light, not attacking the top of the route like I would. But I'll be there when the time's right. Guess what? It's getting real late in the day. (laughs) It's getting real late in the day, boys and girls, for you to all of a sudden, like, get it right. I, I don't know. I don't know. Then I scroll down three inches and I see that Wide receiver Seahawks wide receiver D Eskridge sees quote unquote no leader in Seahawks 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 is probably more correct. <laughs> the Seahawks quarterback battle. When a wide receiver goes, man, it's just so tight between these two quarterbacks. I don't know who's better. That's not a good thing. That is not a good thing for your football team. <laughs> Pete Carroll was back at his bullshit the other day talking about. Uh, well, you know, I, it's so close. It's so close in this injury thing, kind of a concussion, kind of knocked out some things that we wanted to do. So I got to see both of these guys. It's week three of the preseason. If you don't know who your starter is already, Chris, you're probably
1: fucked, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, what's the saying? If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Uh, Isn't that right?
2: Like, go back. They start this Pro Football Talk article. In 2012, when then-rookie Russell Wilson won the starting job over veteran Matt Flynn... Many thought it was a gutsy call by Pete Carroll. It wasn't because the team collectively knew by that point in the offseason, Wilson had emerged as the far better option. The fact that they're here means there's no franchise quarterback on your roster. You've got some dudes. That's all you do. You have dudes who throw the football. None of them are winners. None of them are franchise quarterbacks. None of them are going to save you. Just underneath that. Quitty pay injures knee during Wednesday's practice. Starting defensive end for the Indianapolis Colts Quitty pay leaves practice early after hurting his knee just a couple days after their what former Buffalo Bills punter Matt Hawk now he has a job because their punter just tore his Achilles during gassers. not even like an actual drill not like hey I went to punt I planted wrong. he was running sprints conditioning drills and tore his achilles so they now cut matt hawk has a job chris thanks for informing me of that when i first got here but i've got two bigger losers that i've prepared a little a little bit of this and that for the first one is the baltimore ravens franchise so on monday news breaks that with the nfl season coming right around the corner the ravens have decided that they're not playing games anymore with Lamar Jackson, they're going to push all their chips into the middle of the table and say we are willing to make you the second highest-paid quarterback in football. We're going to come over the top, uh, Sylvester Stallone style. Tell Chris to look at confusion. You don't know that movie, do you?
1: Uh, Rocky. Over the top. No. So, oh, God damn it. and I got points last week for using a point break reference. Yeah. One of the shockingly, you knew that
2: movie. That's what threw me is I didn't know you knew films. Of course, you don't know over the top. So they're willing to allow him to come over the top of Kyler Murray in terms of total quarterback pay, annual average salary, all of these things. And hilariously, because he doesn't he doesn't have an agent to grab his ear and go, dude, you need to take this and run with it. Oh, my God, they gave you the thing. They finally gave you the thing, top three quarterback money. The thing that they haven't been giving you all offseason, it's here. It's in your hands. He's scoffing at it because the Browns are run by a bunch of idiots. The Browns gave Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract. Now, Lamar Jackson believes that not only is he worth top three quarterback money, but he also wants his his contract 100% fully guaranteed.
1: With all due respect, and remember, I'm saying with all due respect, that idea ain't worth a velvet painting of a whale and a dolphin getting it on.
2: Are you tying yourself, like, with no outs, no, like, prohibitively tying yourself to Lamar Jackson for the next six seasons? What's his playoff record? Oh, no, I've got numbers. You want to hear them? Because this is the thing. No matter what the Ravens do, they fucking lose what i
1: would go to what's your playoff record dude this is the thing
2: <sighs> he's he's not a bad quarterback he's not a i don't think he's an elite quarterback he won the mvp he had one great season if they sign this deal okay right well first of all what happens if they say no let's let's approach it like this if you say no and they let him go to market and they start over again outside of green bay can you think of a single NFL franchise that's drafted or been able to find back-to-back MVP quarterbacks?
1: Uh, the well, not MVP, but Indianapolis kind of did it with Peyton and then Andrew Luck, and then okay, Green Bay, Favre and Rodgers. Outside of that, and Indy
2: had to engineer their drive to the bottom.
1: Yeah, you were starting what? Curtis Painter. Curtis Painter was your was your starting quarterback. And who's the, who's the other guy? Jim. Uh, Who gives a fuck? I'll have to look look it up. Call in if you know. Yeah, call in if you know one of Peyton's.
2: There there isn't a winner who's going to walk in there. So it would basically relegate you to a rebuild, a complete rebuild of the franchise. And it's hard to know if Harbaugh has that in him at this point in his career. I, I just don't think they do. And if they give Jackson what he wants, they're committed to five more years of Jackson who as a passer is statistically regressing on an annual basis. His completion percentage is down from where he started his career. His interceptions, though, have increased every single season, from three as a rookie to six to nine to 13 in just 12 games. He was averaging 1.1 interceptions per game last season before he got injured. A career high in sacks last year. Not, not completely his fault, but it illustrates that he's losing a little bit of that pocket of elusiveness. Chris, the touchdown that Josh Allen scored during our preseason game this past week, he never left the pocket, but there was pressure and he found a way to elude them long enough to get a guy open and then huck the ball. Yeah, Jackson didn't, he just didn't do it last year. And he just took, he paid a price for that to the tune of 38 sacks. One of the highest numbers in the NFL. And then come playoffs, what you just hit on, in crunch time against g- provenly good football teams. You don't make the you don't make the playoffs if you're a shit football team. I mean, I guess it, unless you're the Steelers from last year. He he shrinks rather than rising to the occasion. He's got a one and three record, three touchdowns to five picks, one rushing touchdown, and five fumbles. That's the guy that you're going to give the second most money in the NFL to. That sounds like lunacy, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Also, well, where are they going to get another quarterback? That's
2: it. They're stuck. Kind of like f- they're kinda, fucked
1: no matter what they do here. Kind of like
2: Arizona. And here's the thing. Teams like Buffalo and Tennessee have found a way to get their number pretty regularly, just forcing him to stay in the pocket. They won't let him use his legs. Stand here and throw. Your eyes haven't been developed. Uh, There there was actually a uh, Steve Young was on, I think it was NFL Network, talking about how that franchise hasn't tried to develop him as a passer. They just allowed him to continue. They didn't force him to be good at throwing the ball. The Bills did. The Bills pressured Josh Allen to get better. Listen, stop running. We we watch you gallop through the Jaguars' defense in 20, 2018. We don't want you doing that because that doesn't win us football games. We saw you in 2019 starting to try to be a thrower, but you're not great, but we need you to do that or else you're not going to be a franchise quarterback. And then he put the work in himself to figure it out. Baltimore's never challenged him to do that right? They've yeah. never asked him to go, listen, grow as a passer. So they're kind of they're, they're, they're almost culpable in all these bad stats that he has. And then the worst part is the people who want to point to this and go, well, none of these statistics are his fault because they don't have any wide receivers. You think giving him that kind of money is going to fucking help? What are we talking about here? They've been atrocious at drafting wide receivers for the last 10 to 15
1: years. Let me ask you this. See who I got up on the screen there?
2: Marquise Brown, their last 1,000-yard receiver.
1: Yeah. So what if he balls out in Arizona? And he does have a chance in the first six games with Hopkins being out with suspension. So what's the narrative? You would underscore. What's going to be the narrative if he gets 1,500 yards receiving and 10 touchdowns? Why couldn't you do that in Baltimore? Oh, yeah, because their offense does not run through wide receivers. It's like a... It's like a Tennessee Titans light. We rely on the running game and also our quarterback running, and when we want to throw the ball, we're going to throw it to a tight end. Well,
2: also, he sucks at deep outs. Deep outs. Anything down the field with accuracy, unless it's off play action, he's not great. And here's the worst part. I think the biggest indictment of Lamar Jackson is the fact that even though they've had free agency dollars to throw around, everyone talks about how much they respect Lamar Jackson how many premier wide receivers in free agency have opted to sign there?
1: Sammy Watkins, none.
2: Right, Sammy. Uh, I, th- I think you and I did Jinx. Jinx. We just said the same thing. You owe me a. You owe me a Coke.
1: You owe <laughs> me a Jack and Coke.
2: <laughs> it's literally they've put themselves in one of the worst positions of any team in the AFC because they're gonna make they're gonna make the decision. They're gonna make the deal and commit to mediocrity and just hope the team can get better around him with less money to play around with. That's it. That's what they're committing themselves to. And if he says no, it might end up being a a gift for their franchise, even if they don't see it, Even, even if it does send them back to the dark ages as they rebuild that entire team from the ground up. Either way, they lose, don't they? Yeah. Another loser who doesn't necessarily deserve it, I'm actually kind of sad to see it, Ah, the Chargers defensive coordinator. Who's that? Don't know. Don't care. There is something about the Chargers where I'm looking at my phone. I have my notes here. Defensive backs being healthy and the Chargers mixed like oil and water. In 2018, they had five different defensive backs, including quarterback Jason Verrett, who they drafted to be a starter. On the IR for more than six games, which is just fucking crazy. How do you have more than five defensive backs all on IR in the regular season for more than six games?
1: Ronaldo Hill is their DC. Okay.
2: Ronaldo, I'm sorry, buddy. 2019, that number went up to four. And in 2020, when you combine it with COVID, they lost the same number for at least four games. So they had six players in their defensive backfield out for at least four games of the season. Now, with Justin Herbert at the helm, they have yet, even though he's broken rookie passing records, he has yet to make the playoffs, they're incredibly snakebitten at the cornerback position, which is shitty considering they're, they share a division with Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, and Patrick Mahomes. It's why they spent all of that money stealing J.C. Jackson away from the Patriots and paving the way for the Bills to just dominate their secondary again. And so it's fitting that yesterday they announced he's having ankle surgery and he's going to miss two to four weeks. Uh, Probably going to miss their week two contest against Kansas City. Literally one of the biggest reasons they went out and paid premium dollar for a cornerback like that.
1: Well, the Chiefs also helped them out by getting rid of Tyreek.
2: Yeah, but still, like this—that—that's why you thought you had narrowed the gap, right? Well, now we have a premier corner. We can focus our safeties on these guys. Maybe we have a chance.
1: Well, they have their but their first two games are division games: Raiders home, Raiders, and then at the Chiefs.
2: Like, their defensive coordinator had to look at the history and know what he was signing up for. Like this idea of. No defensive back has ever stayed healthy. Like, we just don't have that. And it's rearing its ugly head again, and I feel sorry for... What was his name there? Ronaldo Hill. Ronaldo, Ricard, I was going to say Ricardo. He's a
1: former DB. Here's his Wikipedia. All
2: right, well, maybe he can coach these
1: guys up. I Maybe he can play. <laughs> He's a former come DB. Come down out
2: of the box, come play.
1: Yeah, he last played in 2010 with Denver. Also...
2: Did we talk about people who think the uh, hit on Kevon Thibodeau? Oh, we didn't talk about that yet, did we? No. Yeah, you people are losers too. Anyone who thinks that the hit on Kevon Thibodeau was a cheap shot, if you've never played football, never blocked another human being using any kind of technique, I get it. You have no clue what the fuck you're looking at, so I I don't judge you. But I'm really, really happy that Brett Coleman over at his Film Room channel and on Twitter, Brett Coleman, made a reaction video and film breakdown of the play. Just because everyone's talking about it, and I feel like this narrative that's been shaped by some people with check marks next to their name on social media, wildly out of bounds. I like that he called out Warren Sharp. He goes, listen, you are a pundit and you're an analyst. You analyze stats. Get out a book and learn the fucking game. That you supposedly know all this stuff
1: about. Takes balls for uh, Coleman to I call love it. one of the colleagues out like that.
2: Guys, if you haven't seen it yet, go check out Brett's video. And if you're one of these people who think that Kevon Thibodeau took a cheap shot, or that, or that, uh, what's his name's son, uh, Thaddeus Moss, that Thaddeus Moss is a dirty player, like, the fuck out of here go watch the film and understand and then learn what it is you're seeing learn learn what blocking is and the nuance that it takes in order to like this is what's supposed to happen it's just bad luck go listen to what former nfl players are saying i'm telling you the, the guy with the best breakdown of it is Brett holman go check it out on his film room channel But anyone who's out there going, oh, Moss is a loser. He's a dirty player. He should be suspended. He should be this and that. Learn the fucking game. And for Kevon Thibodeau, you're a loser, too. Not not of your own. Not even being snarky. Just it sucks for him to sustain like a knee tweak when so much of their defense is relying. Going to rely on his production this year. Hopefully he's fine. I hope he bounces back from it. He's that he's all right. Oh, Chris, I just spent 27 minutes talking shit and I love it. I'm fired up. I feel like I feel like uh, Ricky Bobby sitting at the head of the table watching his kids roast chip. He's like,
1: turn up the heat. Yeah, chip. You brought this on yourself.
2: (laughs) So with that, we're going to turn to the AFC East and talk a little winners and losers. Winner this week has to be Dolphins rookie quarterback Skylar Thompson. We joked about it with Elf Artiaga during our uh, AFC's Roundup podcast this week. i got
1: to be honest, I've never heard of the guy.
2: No one has. The fact that he's being talked about by the lunatic fringe of their fan bases that Tua should be benched for him, one, it underscores the fact that those people have lost their fucking minds. Second of all, he's played that well throughout the preseason. Like, If you're talking about guys who have really shown out, and shown well for the Miami Dolphins, he might be the biggest and brightest. So much so that to a dynamic elf spoke to in our last show, they paid Teddy Bridgewater six point something million dollars fully guaranteed. He's going to be on the Miami roster because if they cut him, they still owe him $6 million. That doesn't go away. He's played so well they, as a franchise, who have lost a guy that they saw as a future backup, they're going to have to keep him around. Like, imagine having, like, Chris, you know how Bill's Mafia gets. They go on Twitter, they look at things, they say, okay, we love, I think, we love the fringe guys, don't we? Like, we as a fr- fan base tend to root for these, like, long shots. Yeah. Do you know why that is? I don't know. We talked about it with the Matt Waldman during one of our podcasts a couple years ago during our pre-draft series where we were talking about running backs. He said the thing about us Russ Belters, guys from Ohio, New York, uh, Missouri, like these and almost into the Midwest, you love pulling for an underdog because we all kind of are underdogs like you look at our cities you look where we come from you look at he also said the same thing like we believe we can fix anything and that old crap with little duct tape on it is just as good as new which is why we don't like change it's why we don't it's why we think that a player can learn even if even if they've shown us that they're not great so it's why like we have this in us innately I guess I just look at this and I say to myself, you've got this quarterback. Like it's a rust belt thing to go, we think this fringe player. People are already talking about Blackshear, the running back. Blackshear the running back. He's this year's. I've seen the memes like you know the guy where he's holding his girlfriend's hand, but he's looking back at the other chick.
1: Yeah. Uh what I, was thought, the, I saw that it had like Christian Wade. Christian
2: Wade. All the Christian Wade truthers have jumped on the Blackshear train. That's what's happening here. The Skylar Thompson truthers in Miami have gotten loud because they watch this kid play. But he's done so well that a year after being burned trying to sneak Reed Sinet onto their practice squad, the Dolphins are probably going to have to roster him, which is good for us because it means they're going to have to expose somebody else. Some players that they want to keep, who's actually going to play for them on some Sundays, is going to have to be exposed to waivers and potentially stolen away because their third quarterback is playing so well that they're like, shit. Maybe he is better than Teddy Bridgewater, but we're already paying him, so we need to keep this guy around until we're not paying Teddy Bridgewater. That's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah. If we want to talk about AFC's losers, I've got a giant one for you: Dolphins tight end Mike Gesicki. It's a rough spot to be in if you're Mike, Mike Gesicki today. You signed your franchise. I, it's hard to say that, right? About a guy who signed a franchise tag and is going to make eleven million dollars this year. Fully guaranteed, no matter what he does. Imagine knowing today that you could fall down a flight of stairs, sprain your ankle, and not do work for 10 weeks, but you have $11 million. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's fully guaranteed. What a great feeling, and it's weird to be calling a guy like that a loser. It's more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime, much less for a single year's of the work. But at the same time, if you're a pro athlete who believes that you have the ability to be one of your sports best and brightest and you want the ability to showcase that, not just for your ego, but also for this pursuit of generational wealth, because think about what the best tight ends make. Travis Kelsey money, George Kittle, George Kittle money. That's like my grand, my great grandchildren are going to be rich because of what I do today. That's the type of money these guys are chasing. And to know that it's just not happening for you where you got drafted. Mike Kosicki got drafted a season before our own Dawson Knox. And despite being taken a full round and a half apart from each other, they shared a lot of the same pre-draft verbiage. Uh, Phenomenal athlete for the tight end position. Good explosion in speed numbers. Had blocking technique that was panned as a liability. No one in the Bills fan base will call Knox an elite blocker. That's never a thing anyone's going to say about him. But it's telling that he's at least found his way to not being an out-and-out liability. And you're almost happy to sacrifice that if you're getting... For Chris, watching him last year score nine touchdowns, watching some of the big plays that he made for us in big moments, like that, that Kansas City Chiefs game. In KC, early in the season, Week 5, the plays he was making for us against their secondary... We've been asking for a tight end to do that ever since uh, Metzeler's retired. So, I don't know. You're happy to sacrifice that aspect of his game because he's become a true weapon for you on offense. For Gesicki, neither one of those things have rounded to form. Well, he's got a couple 700-yard seasons and just eight total touchdowns since he was drafted. Well, at least since they took two that's not what you're looking for in a franchise tight end. So then you think about a team that's been starved for playmakers so badly that they give up three first round picks to get Tyreek Hill. Wasn't Kosicki supposed to be their big playmaker? He was supposed to be their Gronk. Yeah, I thought so. So that's his situation before he even sees the field in 2022. And then the dolphins bring in a coach with an offensive system that needs tight ends who can block in space. And also catch and run. They, they can play at the line of scrimmage if asked. To say that that hasn't happened is a gross understatement. I mean, Him and head coach Mike McDaniel, t- tight end coach John Embry, they've been asked multiple times over the course of this last month and more so after this Raiders game. Jesus Christ. Did you see it, Chris? Probably not. Elf and I joked about it during his appearance on our show last week. His whiff block off the line of scrimmage on a tight end that uh, on a defensive end that directly led to a safety that was the margin of loss. They lost by two points because they they called a play and Mike Kosicki didn't even touch the guy off the snap and gave up a safety. Is that what you expect from a guy who's your starting tight end?
1: That's Dolphins football right there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so this is it. Like they're. They keep getting asked about him because they're they're hoping that they, they're hoping for more out of a guy who they gave the franchise tag to. This is a square peg round hole situation. He he even said, "I've been I've, I've been playing wide receiver for 3 years. Now they're asking me to play tight end." And the coaching staff keeps reiterating that one of the keys is that all tight ends have to block well, and they were visibly frustrated when he let Jordan Jenkins just blow past him. Teddy Bridgewater intentionally grounds the ball. It's a safety. That like That's it. He doesn't want to get his head caved in for a meaningless game, so he gives up the safety. He finished that game, Chris, with a 0.0 pass block grade. I didn't even think that that could happen. I didn't think that was real. A 0.0. Do you get the sense that maybe he's not even trying at this point? Like, maybe he's almost hoping he gets cut or traded
1: I don't know about cut, but maybe traded. Who knows? Like, I've never seen anything like that.
2: I thought it was always like the fucking SATs where if you showed up and got on the field, they gave you a point or two just for putting your name on the paper. Like, if you dressed that day and took the field, they gave you one point. You got a zero? The fuck is that? And then you have to listen to the head coach's postgame comments. Listen to this. I'll read it back to you. He was in a position to have a pretty good game. You can ask him. He was frustrated. We rely on him and went to him, and he had a couple of really good opportunities where he just didn't come up with a play. That's Mike McDaniel answering a question about Mike Gusecki. If that's what he's saying to the media, you can only imagine what he's saying behind closed doors.
1: Yeah, I mean, everything that we've heard from Alf on the roundup, like, Mike Gusecki will give legit answers to questions. So it's kind of not surprising that he would uh, kind of throw him under the bus. Uh,
2: I, I just, I think about him and I think about basketball. You remember Joe Cooper where the guy comes into the locker room and they're wearing the Losers t-shirt? Oh, yeah, <laughs> just, goes, yeah, yeah. Sure movie
1: we've... I've never seen before. Oh, no. You haven't seen basketball? No.
2: The guy comes into the locker room and goes... Folks, it sure is raining shit on Joe Cooper right now. And then he puts the microphone in his face. <laughs> That's Mike Kosicki right now today. One of the last AFC East losers before we get on to the Buffalo Bills is anyone who can't say, good thing Josh Allen is my franchise quarterback. Oh, suck it! All of you. Let's start with the Jets. Wilson didn't play because he's injured again. Have you seen enough of Wilson to know whether or not he's good? In no. 20- Everyone goes, oh, he's better. He looks sharper in practice. Just wait till you see it. Yeah, there he's is- been slaying moms. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe that's the say. Listen, maybe that's it. Maybe you need to get the mon- get the monkey off his back. Either way, we don't know whether he's better or not. And it'll be a while before we see him on the field again. After that preseason week one game, he was slammed on TV by Brady Quinn for his poor passing and terrible interception. Quinn categorized it as day one rookie bullshit and said that he didn't understand the hype around Zach Wilson. And he said that he's surprised that someone who's accomplished so little has so much media praise in the New York area. Now, obviously, that those are all fun things for us as Bills fans to laugh about. Also... Who the fuck is Brady Quinn? I told Super Mexican on Twitter the other day, when he retired from the NFL, the league should have gotten a restraining order against him, making it illegal for him to even mention professional football. Like, that's how bad he was. Brian Dable, former Bills offensive coordinator, now Giants head coach, got settled with that douchebag twice for two different franchises. Can you imagine that, Chris? Picture the picture Greg Zahn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember him? Yeah. What if you turned around at work tomorrow and he was just there? And they go, Chris, you're going to be training this guy. He's going to work with you. Yeah, that <laughs> would be that would be rough. That's how Brian Dable must feel when he sees Brady Quinn. He's like, God,
1: the fuck are you doing here?
2: <laughs> he immediately calls security. Get out of here. Get I, him.
1: I will defend Brady Quinn. He is good at his job. I do on my way home from work in the mornings on Mondays and Tuesdays. I will listen to two pros and a cup of Joe, and then he's also on uh, whatever Fox's equivalent is to to College Game Day. I think it's Big Noon Saturday. He's great on there. He's great at his job. He's a good analyst. Is he? He is. He is just okay. Just he played the position all right. He was a failure at it at the pros, but he was pretty good in college. So. He's allowed to have an opinion.
2: I mean, that's fair. I'm allowed to have an opinion. If I get to have one, I guess we have to give him his. The the sad thing is we won't know until mid-2022 if Wilson's actually a better quarterback or not. And it just seems like a long shot that he will be. Meanwhile, in New England, you've got Mac Jones, who this past weekend went 4-8 for for 50% and 61 yards. 7.1 yards per attempt, no touchdowns, no picks, and... Literally was just dinking and dunking when he did throw the ball. Now, we talked to Mark Schofield about that, and he said just protection's been a problem throughout the offseason. So they're really struggling in that regard. Meanwhile, ESPN reported that Mac Jones looked, quote-unquote, solid in his debut. Is that what we're calling it now, Chris, when you complete half your passes? Solid? I guess. Solid.
1: He's there's he like was one point.
2: for three on passes of more than 10 yards downfield. <clears throat> he had one 45-yarder on a broken play that made up all of his yardage. <laughs> but, guys, he's solid. Don't worry. How much do you think this revolves around the fact that the media has gotten so used to being able to just farm out content about how good the Patriots are that they don't know what to do when the Patriots are bad?
1: Yeah, it's, nobody... It's like literally been a whole generation that the Patriots have been good. And now they're kind of reverting to what they were in like the late 80s, early 90s, <laughs> which is what I've been wanting my entire lifetime.
2: Oh, I can't wait to see it. You, we, we might get Mark Schofield on the show with us every week just for a Patriots breakdown. Patriots breakdown. How'd you guys fuck this up this week? <laughs> I can't wait for that era It'll be so much sweeter, though, if we can get that first Lombardi out of the way. That way they can't lord that over us. And then we really start dunking on him. And then you've got Miami. Tua Tunga Viola. Viola. You're
1: an Alabama fan. You should know what it is. Tua Tunga Viola. I think you just mispronounced it. No, I didn't. Tunga Tunga Viola.
2: He went 6 of 8, 75%, 58 yards. Imagine throwing eight passes, completing six of them, and you only got 58 yards. No touchdowns, no picks.
1: What was Allen this week? Three for three, 45 yards, one drive. <sighs> I think I rattled that off off the top of my head.
2: Just, oh, uh, you're spot on. I'll give you credit for that. I like that. I like, see, I celebrate you when you win sometimes.
1: I should just leave. I should just. <laughs> just walk ex- off on a high note. Exit the studio <laughs> now.
2: Over at my uh, the Cider, Miami's ESPN affiliate, like our Buffalo Rumblings, there is an article entitled "The Miami Dolphins Can Win with Tua If," and it literally is a diatribe about how they can Tua can win with the Miami Dolphins in 2022 if Gasicki can find himself, or if another tight end can step up, um, if their offensive line can gel in front of him. Making note that their starters haven't seen the field together yet this season. If their running backs can carry some of the load. Chris, can you imagine having to try to speak into existence all the things that have to align for your quarterback to win you football games? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's not a thing we have to do anymore.
1: Tua will win if the receivers are good, the line blocks, and then all the running backs, uh, when they're asked to block, pick up blitzes.
2: Maybe then he'll maybe then he can win the day, but that's where we are, right? It's not where we like. I remember the days when that was our problem, but that's not where we live today. And it's hilarious to me that that whole Miami fan base is the equivalent of a Scott Farkas from the Christmas story.
1: Another movie. I'm sure you haven't seen. Please. I own that on DVD. I've, been to the house in Cleveland. Yes. And finally, I'll, an analogy that you'll understand. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch that every Christmas. The
2: Miami Dolphins fans have become Scott Farkas, right? They talk a lot of shit every single offseason. They bark a ton more than they have any right to, considering that they got whooped by Tyrod and Thad Lewis in the same season. And they act like their team is finally a bully and shouldn't be overlooked. That, hey, this is our show now. Then our team comes along, holds them down in the snow, and punches their faces in, embarrasses them in front of the entire neighborhood, and then goes home and has a frosty glass of Ovaltine. Fuck you. (laughs) So it's fitting that we're once again here with the Dolphins' hype bus just barreling down the road towards the season. And now all of a sudden the lunatic fringe of their fan base wants their seventh-round rookie to be replacing their starting quarterback. Games like this are what cause this, Chris. Where you see Tua and he's just mediocre, nothing special, nothing he does looks elite. He's just a dude out there who throws the football and doesn't doesn't lose you a game, but doesn't win you a game. He's he's a jag. He's just another guy. When you watch him play those types of games, then you get Joshua fucking Allen, three for three. Chris, this is how correct you are. Three for three, 45 yards touchdown 15 yards per attempt double any other quarterback in the AFC East this week throws a 28-yard touchdown pass off his back foot after scrambling around in the pocket with pressure in his face (laughs) on a dime of a throw only a handful of quarterbacks can do the shit that our quarterback gets away with it's a near impossibility made real because Josh Allen is is basically like he's what happens when you do like the creative player in the old Madden games that's Josh Allen and it's fucking demoralizing just ask the patriots who had to stand just stand there in disbelief while he threw a touchdown pass as he was like throwing the ball away he didn't know that he threw that first touchdown pass to Dawson Knox in the playoffs he legitimately believed he had thrown the ball away. That's how fucking good
1: he is. I think if we win the Super Bowl under with Josh Allen, because of what you said about him pre-draft, I think right out here, outside of the podcast studio in the house, I have to record you literally throwing yourself down the stairs with, I, two, with two beers in hand. I think I did say that, didn't I? You did say that, and you technically I said if
2: the Bills draft him, I will. I, I, he's like, I
1: will. What, what? There's audio of it. I have it. It's a known thing. But you also did at your own house, which you're selling right now. You th- fell down because uh, you're in a split level. You <laughs> f- fell down the first flight of stairs and like you broke your toe. Yes. So that kind of. I'm halfway there, it kind of makes halfway up for to it. Penance. But I would love, I would love just to have it on video of you launching yourself down a flight of stairs. You
2: know, it's funny that night I broke my toe. I was, ooh, I was literally in the middle of illustrating to my wife that I wasn't as drunk as she thought I was. So I was doing the fieldside sobriety test: stand on one foot, stand on the other foot, stand on one foot while touching your nose, the the, the finger trick: one, two, three, four, four, three, two, one, where you double tap the pinky. I was going through all of it, and I, with flying colors, passed all of it. And she goes, okay, I guess you're not that hammered. I took a step down the stairs and just fucking just fell down him. <laughs> <laughs> a real-life Three Stooges moment. So I guess that makes me a loser. I guess when I... In this in this one preseason drive that Josh Allen is going to have this offseason, he illustrated why every other fan base in our division, and maybe the rest of the NFL is cute talking about their quarterbacks. Growth. Oh, my guy, my guy did this and that, and today he's working with... We already have one of the best motherfuckers in the entire NFL manning our offense, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It feels good, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: And so that brings us to the Buffalo Bills, Chris. Winners and losers. I, first of all, I drank my Seagrams already, but okay. I'm a loser. I bet against Matt Ariza. Turns out that that was a bad call on my part.
1: No, no. I've been right every step <clears throat> of the way on Matt Ariza. That makes you a winner. Bills are getting a, a, dra- a drafted and punter in the sixth round. Matt Ariza. You know what? He's going to hold the first preseason game kick, whether it's a field goal or, or an extra point. I sh- The only thing I missed is that I should have made a sequence bet with you that he would have fucking punted a goddamn ball to Alex Bell.
2: <laughs> it's
1: the only thing that I've missed. I've been right every step of the way on this guy. Uh, see,
2: what I love is that this is going to be one of our longer podcasts, but I'm okay with that.
1: I, you know what I should you know have done earlier? I could probably do it now. I don't know if we will get anything back. I uh, should text Reed. Have you developed a handshake with Matt Ariza? Is he a handshake guy? You've seen... Do you watch know, last I season? I watch it. Mm. All the special handshakes Reed has with Bass, with Hawk, and then they do like a three-way thing after they make a kick? <sighs> That has there's so much bro energy wrapped up in there it's weird yeah that's what they do in 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 uh at one Bills drive
2: well we're gonna start talking about losers like me who bet against Matt Ariza. how about everyone on Twitter calling for case Keenum's job Uh case Keenum finally got some room with the ones let me run that down for you 19 yards to Davis did you 25 yards to Diggs Five yards to Singletary, one in completion on a miscom with Gabe Davis, 10 yards to Crowder. Throwing a Zach Moss one-yard touchdown run, that's how Keenum responded to getting half a series with the Bills. Just with the number
1: ones. Did you happen to look at Nate Geary's Twitter? No. Post game? No. All i right, right, I'll, I'll, I'll be a producer and look for it. Yeah, you go find this. His second drive
2: was another slick piece of work that saw him hit running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. He utilized every single skill position group he had on route to another touchdown drive. And then he ran a two-minute drill to perfection with ridiculous sideline passes to Hodgins and Shakir, culminating in an O.J. Howard red zone touchdown reception. He was 16 for 18 for 192 to end the first half. Tell me that that's not a masterclass in being a QB two. It is. Like if he had to step onto the field, take Josh Allen's spot, you put him with those skill position players in good protection. I it was night and day from his performance last week. And last week we talked about maybe giving Barkley a little more room with the starters. I argued for that because I just saw what a bad day he had. <sighs> I mean. <laughs> Keenum answered the bell. Meanwhile, some of you, like Dolphins fans, were coming up with even more wild, just wild postulations about us cutting him, about needing to trade him for a new backup. Apparently, he heard you all and felt compelled to give you all the double middles on his way just just to a ridiculous performance. And it's a calming thing to see that our backup, when equipped with real veteran talent, played like a veteran, Played like the guy that you gave up a pick for rather than just signing a street-free agent. A guy who you targeted and said, I have to have that guy and I'm willing to give up something to get him. I don't know. He he showed you that, well, he's not Josh Allen because, let's be honest, no one is. He's impressive. He can operate this offense. He went 8-for-8 for 132 and a touchdown beyond 10 yards downfield which tells me that he understands what this offense is at its core. It's an offense built to push the ball down the field, challenge deep windows, because our wide receivers are built for separation. Stephon Diggs cannot be covered in man coverage. He has, what, uh, the the most yards by a wide receiver over the last two seasons versus man? Gabe Davis just on size and speed alone, along with his developed route running. These guys cannot be covered. Throw on Isaiah McKenzie, who I I read something online today where they were talking to Teron Johnson, starting cornerback for the Buffalo Bills, who's a damn good slot corner. He's one of the NFL's most consistent. He makes splash plays. He makes interceptions. He understands the quarterback. He reads the quarterback a lot. He said one of the hardest things about playing against his counterparts on offense this year is that there is no Cole Beasley. But Isaiah McKenzie is so much faster than Cole, he plays so much faster than Cole Beasley ever did. But then just like a pitcher in baseball, which admittedly, love the sport, hate it, hate it professionally, they'll throw you a fastball with Mackenzie two plays in a row, and then roll Jameson Crowder out there. And he said Crowder is more like Beasley in in the sense of like nuanced route running and being able to like I know when to sit in the zone, and I know I can catch the football. He said, that's like a ch- so." So reading this, I'm thinking to myself, we now have a fastball and a changeup because we have two guys who one of them comes at you at a million miles an hour and runs some routes. The other guy is this savvy veteran who just can kind of feel you out. And we have the – and Teron Johnson even said it makes it very hard for him to do his job when the offense keeps rotating those two guys in and out. That's good news for our offense, isn't it?
1: It is. All right, yeah. here it is, right there on the screen, from Nate Geary. Oh,
2: so it said, "Nope, didn't just Nate Geary. Nope, didn't just take a post game call saying Case Keenum should be the starter. Nope, in all caps." <laughs> First of all, you people are fucking lunatics, and I love you. I love
1: you. Well, I hope. I hope whoever called in to say that's a listener. Well, kudos to Nate Geary for taking that phone call. My
2: whole thing is, is that Keenum understands, based on his performance in this game, that he knows what this offense is a built to do. He knows what these guys are for. And when if you gave him a Dawson Knox in this game, I'm sure you would have seen some flash plays down the seam. He was looking for guys down the field knowing that, hey, cornerbacks can't hang with any of you past 10 yards. Our offense, unlike the Miami Dolphins, who are going to rely on playing small ball and hoping its speed just manufactures yardage for them, we don't have to do that. We don't have to live in that world. We can throw the ball 10 air yards down the field and know that we have separation manufacturing motherfuckers in our wide receiver room. I love it. The numbers are nice, but philosophically, he's on the same page as Ken Dorsey and just what our team is built to be. And that gives me hope that should we ever need him on a Sunday, the playbook won't have to change as much as it might otherwise have to. So suck it, nerds. I might have questioned the man, but you guys, you lunatics out there, just caught a flying overhand tomahawk dunk. Like, uh, what is it, Muggsy Bogues from the back? Muggsy Bogues, shortest guy in the NBA to ever dunk, I believe.
1: Allegedly, I think he was 5'3". Yeah.
2: He used to dunk all the time. It's fucking hilarious. Other losers are people who can't let this OJ Howard nonsense go. It drives me crazy, Chris. What is the beef with OJ Howard? Do you see all our tweets back and forth with people today? No. People keep talking about how, well, Sweeney, what about Sweeney? Howard hasn't, uh, from everything we've read in a newspaper. Howard hasn't done much. For everything we've seen in the preseason, he only has one touchdown. So I put out a tweet, and it it just basically culminates in this. I said the 2021 Buffalo Bills were the third highest scoring team in the NFL and were number one in red zone touchdowns. Number one, Chris, in red zone touchdowns in the NFL. Our tight end two and tight end three were Tommy Doyle and Tommy Sweeney. In 2020, our tight end two and three were Croft and Lee Smith. Whether you like him or not, Howard is the most multifaceted option we've had under Sean McDermott at tight end two, and he's going to make this roster. And then I kind of, I I tried to give it a little more context. And I said, look... (laughs) People who are focusing on O.J. Howard being like, well, he's the same people who are like, oh, well, you know, you got to fix this. And uh, People are acting like somehow bringing O.J. Howard onto this team will hold them back. But meanwhile, our offense was great with Lee Smith getting 10 targets per year and Sweeney having one career touchdown catch. Who are these Tommy Sweeney truthers? I don't understand it. You people boggle me. So I go back and forth, and some people really interacted with me, and they're talking about, well, I get it, you like OJ. I go, whoa, 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 I don't like OJ Howard. But every tight end two we've put on the field for the last three seasons has been a blocker and basically just a warm body, an empty shirt in the passing game. At least we know Howard can work in the red zone and in run blocking. And I'll say this for the rest of you out there who are trying to pound the table for Tommy Sweeney. This team has seen three years of Tommy Sweeney. If they thought that he was ready to step into a meaningful role on Sundays, they wouldn't have spent the fucking money on OJ Howard. He wouldn't be here on our roster if they thought that Tommy Sweeney and Tommy Doyle were good enough. So no, we're not trading him. No, we're not cutting him, and I will bet a fucking Seagram's on that. Chris, right now, Seagram's versus the world. I'll take any, any one of you fucking listeners who has a problem with this. Tweet at us, at Rockpile Report on Twitter. Open challenge. I'll drink a case of Seagram's if I have to to make my point here. The man is making the roster because they wouldn't have gone out and gotten him if they believed in these guys that you do so much after watching the fourth quarter of a fucking preseason game. And also, I think Spencer Brown. If there's an honorable mention, Spencer Brown, he kind of gets shafted here because he hasn't been able to play. He has 14 snaps in the preseason, Chris. Do you think that's enough? Who had Dave? 14 snaps? Uh, Spencer Spencer Brown. Dave Questenberry has been playing with the starting offense. He was a part of the Josh Allen drive, the Case Keenum drives with the starters right up until they took the uh, starters off the field for him. I wonder if there's a... um, I think he's just missed too much of the preseason. He missed missed all of OTAs. He didn't start doing anything physical until halfway through training camp. You know Sean McDermott. Yeah. He doesn't trust any young player unless he has to. So I'm sure coming off of an injury hiatus, (coughs) he's looking at it and going, I have a guy who's a serviceable right tackle. Like, he's the loser in all this because he's gotten so few snaps that right now it looks like if we start the season this week against LA, Questenberry's our starter. I don't think they would put Spencer Brown out there.
1: That's interesting. I wonder if if there's a conflict between him and Cromer.
2: No, I don't know about a conflict. I just think that he's slowly coming back from injury. But the problem is, is that for him, like...
1: Is it, well, let me say this. Is the way we did things on the offensive line this year going to be way different than last year?
2: Very well could be. so, then, so he missed so, a lot of important installation time.
1: Okay. So, or maybe, I mean, I feel dumb saying, I don't know why I want to say he's, maybe he's not athletic enough, but wasn't his RAS like a 10 out of 10?
2: He's tied with Taylor Luan for the best to ever score in the RAS.
1: No, yeah, I don't know what it, I don't know what enough. it could be. No,
2: what it could be is just you haven't had enough reps with the team and with the new coach to really understand what they're trying to do differently now. So it's not his fault, but he's a loser by default for not being on the field because it looks like Dave Questenberry is getting the green light to take that job to start the season. So it'll be interesting to see if in a, in a second year, where Spencer Brown might have to work his way back onto the field for a second consecutive year, if he's up to the task just sucks for him. Now, the winners of all this, if we're going to change gears here, are starting offensive line and running backs. In fact, offensive linemen as a whole, like, pff, including the winner, Dave Questenberry. I get it. They were playing against backups, and they did the thing that good starters should do, right? They made their opponents look like backups. It wasn't perfect, but a week after the Bills led the NFL in pressures allowed— and in negative plays, they allowed zero sacks, reduced their pressures by a third, and the quarterbacks all thrived, right? All thrived. And I think one of the most important-ass things in terms of our like 2022 hopes, every running back on the roster put on a fucking show. Like, every... Think about it like planes. A plane needs a runway in order to get off the ground, right? Yep. Unless you're talking about Harriers, which were, I thought, as a kid, one of the coolest jets ever. Yulberg, you're out there listening to this. What's your favorite jet? I know you fly, I think he flies the, what, the C-130?
1: Sure, I don't know what that is. Of course you don't. Neither do you, you're not a goddamn pilot. Dude, I'm too big.
2: You too bad. I don't know the fuck they get him in there. They must butter him up to squeeze him into the cockpit of those things. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but no. So this is the thing. Like every jet needs a runway in order to take off. Our running back stable needs blocking in order to do its job. Look at these numbers from this game. 9.5 yards per carry for James Cook. He had one 19-yard run on four in four touches. Singletary 9.8 yards per carry, two runs of more than 10 yards in four touches. Moss 4.8 yards per carry, one run of 10 plus yards, two touchdowns in the red zone because that's what he's here to be. Blackshear 11.8 yards per carry, two runs of 10 plus yards and 58 total yards to lead all running backs. Every single phase, first string, second string, third string, they dominated on the ground. And the result was 208 total rushing yards. Almost more than all three of our AFC's counterparts in their preseason games combined. Hats off to Aaron Cromer. He won't have to fight me, right? He can just have my beach chairs if he keeps this up. I'll just give him beach chairs. The deep backups are showing some wetness behind the ears. There's a lot of Luke Tenuta taking penalties. Tommy Doyle taking some penalties. Ultimately, the guys that we're going to rely on on Sundays have shown that they can get shit done. This type of effectiveness on the ground is the thing that the Buffalo Bills need to cultivate when games mean something. They need to illustrate that when teams go into a too-high shell like they did for most of 2021 and say, listen, Allen's not getting any more deep balls on us. Our safeties are gonna. Die. We can use a toolbox full of weapons to spread them out and then just beat the shit out of their lighter fronts. Devin Singletary, fourth in the league last year in missed tackles forced. James Cook, Great hands. And I think he showed his speed this past week. Like He just gets upfield very quickly. When you allow our offense to spread out a team and then their safeties are scared to come down in the box or the defensive coordinator scared to put them there, we can mangle some teams with our running attack if this line continues to block this way. I don't know. It's got me pitching a half stack. I'm fired up about it, Chris. What about you? Yeah, sure. Why not? This team was also, this week was also a win for people who believe that sweatpants at a steakhouse is fucking unacceptable. In trading Cody Ford, the Bills struck a blow at, for all of us who believe that when you go to a white linen restaurant, you need a little fucking decorum. At least put a button down shirt on. Damn it.
1: You remember that night. I do. Uh, what uh, we had a tweet from Tanawanda um, Proud. What was it? We sent it at like three in the morning. I'll, I'll have to go find it, but it was in reference to um, Aaron Quinn going to the steakhouse. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Aaron Quinn. Nothing will make me he, he is Larry David. Like when you guys meet him he he is Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's who Aaron Quinn is in real life. But so we're there and he's complaining about how I'm here, I got a jacket on. I do, you know this is stupid, but whatever. And here comes Cody Ford in his Kool-Aid Man red t-shirt and gray sweatpants and sneakers. With a girl on his arm who's dressed to the nines. I mean, airbrush makeup. She's, I mean, this is clearly a date. That's not a, like a comfortable relationship. We've kind of known each other. This is like, this is a date. Right here. And he's dressed like a sl- ah! At Rockwell Report, with Cody Ford shipped off to Arizona, which bill will wear sweats to a steakhouse and cause Aaron Quinn to lose his mind next? I don't know. I think we should take some bets on it. Chris, I who do you think? Hopefully fucking no one, because I'd like to think Sean McDermott has weeded these assholes out of the locker room. You know who it might be? Who?
1: Bobby Hart.
2: Dude, I'll, I'll say something.
1: Because I... Because listen, he, listen, Chris, cause cause you dress with, up to fly. I do.
2: Explain the mentality.
1: There's nothing to explain. You dress up. To fly, you always have to look good on, a, on an airplane. Yulberg agrees with me. I know this I... for a
2: fact because when Yulberg was last in Buffalo, I met him out for chicken wings before he caught his flight. And so we're drinking beers at Sports City, eating wings. He's wearing Dockers and a button-down shirt and dress shoes. And I'm just like, damn it. you are." He's correct. He does get all gussied up to
1: fly. Okay. Well, my story of this is... It might have been 19, early, probably spring of 19, I flew down to Atlanta to go see at the Buckhead Theater Nothing More and of Mice and Men. And I got drunk, obviously, and the next morning after the concert, I had my flight back to Buffalo, and I left my wallet in the Uber that I took. So, there's no way for me to get my wallet. And I am at the airport trying to fly, and I'm in a tie. This is where um, I saw your wife at the Atlanta airport. Yes. Because we were on the same flight back.
2: Which is hilarious to get a a random text as I'm home alone with the dogs drinking whiskey. And a text comes in, and it's a picture of Chris pouting, looking pouty, wearing a tie.
1: Yeah, I was hungover. But... (laughs) When I was at the airport and I didn't have my wallet and I had to fly out and I went up to the woman that handled that at the Atlanta airport and she said to me, her first words were to me, now you look like a a guy that does not lose his license. (sighs) Yeah, because I'm wearing a tie, dress pants, I'm dressed to the nines, you have no idea that I was just at a concert seven hours ago wasted out of my mind.
2: I like how you say out of your mind.
1: I was way out of my mind drunk.
2: Well, stop leaving your wallet laying around.
1: Well, I left it in the Uber, but when I was at the airport, the woman didn't, she just read the cover of the book, which was delicious, (laughs) and was like, this guy does not lose his wallet.
2: This is clearly like clearly there's been some kind of a mistake. We'll, we'll we'll give you
1: we'll take pity on you, sir. Concert, airport, comedy club, those are the three places I will one hundred percent wear a tie. So we trade away Cody Ford, and here's the
2: thing. Like Bruce Nolan said it. He he said he was like, There's a middle ground to be had here. This isn't a win, but it's on a loss. You're basically minimizing your your you're minimizing your loss. But you're admitting the fact that something that you traded up for and gave away assets for in a previous draft didn't work out. And Brandon Bean, during his press conference, when he acknowledged the trade, admitted that they are going to go back and reevaluate like what led to that trade up and reevaluate their process as far as how they evaluate offensive linemen. That was interesting to me, that Cody Ford was the pick that broke the Bills' offensive line scout. <laughs> so you get, we get a fifth-round draft pick back. It's not meaningless by any stretch, because here's the players we've drafted in the fifth and sixth round under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Now, obviously, he Brandon Bean wasn't here in 2017, but our fifth-round picks were Matt Milano and Nathan Peterman. One of them has panned out. With Brandon Bean in house, fifth and sixth round picks, Saran, Neal, Wyatt, Teller, Ray-Ray McLeod. Two of those names have been named to Pro Bowls. Right? Yeah. Matt Milano, Wyatt Teller. Voshan Joseph, Jaquan Johnson, not as prolific, but Jaquan Johnson is our de facto backup safety. He's getting quality reps. Jake Fromm, what did me and Nate joke about his mom's snack trays? Probably. Tyler Bass, Isaiah Hodgins. Tyler Bass, pretty big part of this football team, no? Isaiah yeah. Hodgins, he's making a name for himself this summer. He's fighting for his life. Uh, 2021, Tommy Doyle, Marcus Stevenson, Demar Hamlin, Rashad Wild Goose. I really wanted Wild Goose to work out so that every time he got a tackle on Sundays, I could yell out, I'm going to show you, bend over and touch your toes. I'm going to show you where the wild goose goes from Super Troopers. Mm-hmm. That never came to fruition because that's what happens when you're a six round pick. But Tommy Doyle, Tommy Doyle's our swing tackle this year. That's a thing that's happening. Although Dave Questenberry will also fill that role, and Tommy Doyle will be floating around as a lineman who can play basically guard or tackle. This year, Khalil, Shakir, Matt Ariza, fifth and sixth round. Christian Benford, sixth round. Luke Tenuta. Those three, Shakir, Ariza, Benford, they're all paying dividends already this offseason. Those picks aren't meaningless, are they? Yeah. So, when you look at the acquisitions ahead of him, kind of like how we were talking to O.J. Howard, like... The fact that they spent money to get Bates back and then also signed Bacher even though he can't play because he tore his Achilles last year. The fact that they brought him back tells you everything you need to know about Cody Ford. If Cody Ford was good enough, Saffold wouldn't be here. Or at least not Saffold. Maybe they do go out and get Saffold, but they do not sign Bates, that offer sheet. And they do not. They do absolutely do not go out and sign an injured guard who can't make the roster that's crazy that underscores how little they thought of Cody Ford so I don't know it is what it is we're all winners that he's no longer here we get a pick that our front office can use we get some extra cap space back some dickhead who's going to walk into a steakhouse in my city and offend me visually walking past me in sweatpants is no longer here. I feel like we all won this, didn't we? Yeah. And then offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. It's easy to applaud all the players involved when a team racks up points at an opponent in the preseason, but if you're talking about a team with three different quarterbacks, four different offensive line combinations, and a slew of different skill positions on the field – To execute at that level and score on every single drive, it underscores that not only is your team more talented than your opponent at each level, which is something we talked about last week, but it also means that your offensive coordinator is doing a phenomenal job. His communication with the quarterback, regardless of who it is, seems to be crisp on point. He seems to know how to play to the strength of whoever's on the field. Like, there's 68,000 screaming fans for that opening drive and Allen has no miscoms or miscues. When Keenum gets on the field, they spread the ball to everyone. Rookie, veteran, I mean, Shakir, Hodgins, Kumaro, Cook, Crowder, Howard, and Singletary all had catches. With no glaring mistakes, the plays were designed well for the circumstances. And even better was his feel for how to set up the defense with the pass and then mix in draws and runs that... Let the backs get their blockers out in front of them before they can cut and just turn up field. Just one of the most efficient running days that the Bills have had regular or preseason for as long as I can remember. I mean, 200 yards rushing in a game is crazy when our backups are playing your backups. And then the top two quarterbacks on the depth chart finish with more than 10 yards per pass attempt, meaning that you're pushing the ball vertically down the field passing, and oh, by the way, we're running you over in the rushing attack. The preseason is an audition for players, but it's also a crash course for Ken Dorsey being the big cheese with the headset on. Through two games, you've got to be impressed with what he's given you, haven't you? Yeah.
1: What was on Twitter today?
2: He's a psychopath. Did, did you see Greg Thompson's yeah. tweet? Yeah, I saw it. I, I fucking love it. Listen, if this is what crazy looks like, sign me up. I'm in. I'm nuts. Let's all get nuts. I feel like Michael Keaton and Batman. Another movie Chris hasn't watched. Correct. Wait, you haven't seen the Michael Keaton Batman? No. That's it. Fucking end this podcast right now. I can't even look at you. Guys, we can get the fuck out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Pile Report.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.